1: Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters, where we talk about issues that matter to the Commonwealth of Kentucky. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, and with me is good friend uh, Ron Hicks. Ron, welcome to the program. Thank you, Richard. I appreciate it, buddy. Hey, on this program, we're going to talk about uh, helping those in need, particularly those who are homeless, those who are asking for help. In fact, we see them regularly, especially in our bigger cities. Mm -hmm. People who are Often at a street corner or work for food or my family's in need, those those folks with signs and let me ask you, how Mm -hmm. do you feel when you see those signs? What are some of the feelings that you deal with when you see that? An able bodied person mm -hmm. who has a cardboard sign Mm -hmm. saying just that, will work for food or family needs help or what how do you process Well I have
2: to confess that sometimes I think I wonder if you will work for food. Um, we, we have had several occasions, um, uh, a guy used to work our neighborhood, you know, I'm the pastor of a church. And so he mm-hmm. would come by and, and he'd say, Hey, is there any work that needs to be done? And, and so one time I, I said, uh, actually it was the fall of the year. I said, our, our leaves need to be raked up. I'll yeah. pay you what, what a common laborer would be paid $10 an hour. Yeah. Um, and as long as you want to work, uh, I'll pay you. And, uh, he said, great. And, uh, he came back after a half an hour. Uh, with with the rake in a bag, and he said, uh, he said, "Can you just can you just give me some money?" Mm. And I said, "No." Uh, I said, "But uh, you work for half an hour. Here's five dollars." And I gave him five dollars, and that's all I gave him. Uh, so it was this, you know. So anytime I see somebody that says that will work for food, my I have to confess my first thought is, "Will they?" Because in my experience, they haven't. And we're going to talk a little bit more about a guy who actually. Uh, did that same thing, but it became kind of a a viral sort of sensation. Yeah. Uh, So I often think that. uh, So
1: why would somebody not want to work? Now, I know when we're kids, run and our parents tell us to clean up our room or to go out and cut the grass, Mm -hmm. we're resistant. We just, we don't want to do it. It's not fun. We'd Mm -hmm. rather watch cartoons or play with our friends. But why would a grown person not want to work? It's either work or beg. And what, what what would stop them from doing that? Well, you
2: know, you would think this this might seem people might say, "Oh, you're stretching it." I think there's a spiritual disconnect. Yeah. Um. Uh, you and I were talking prior to this program. You know, in 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 the Book of Genesis in chapter two, uh, God created Adam and He said, uh, "I'm going to put you in the garden."
1: Yeah.
2: Um. And He said, "The Lord took the in Genesis two fifteen, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. Yeah. And to take care of it. So God. Created a garden, a work environment, gave Adam a job, and 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 set him to it. In Genesis three, when man fall fell, uh, when uh, Eve ate the fruit and turned and gave it to Adam, who was right there. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Afterwards, uh, it says through painful toil. Yeah. Uh, you will work from the sweat of your brow. And so work is now considered to be toil. So when man is disconnected from God, yeah. he doesn't understand his purpose.
1: So in Genesis 2, though, it's very clear that work is a good thing. Oh, yeah. Work was not cursed. It was mm. part of Adam and Eve's duty, and it was a good thing. But sure. in Genesis 3, after the fall, after they rebelled against God, it became something of toil. It became a burden. And that's where we live right now in a Genesis 3 fallen world where work in some respects is cursed. Well Paul on two different occasions writing to some of the
2: church of this planet has said and I'm paraphrasing uh, but you know whatever you do whether it in uh, in word or deed do it all as unto the Lord mm-hmm. and and the other time he said you know whatever you do work with all your heart yeah. as if you're working for the Lord. So right. when we're disconnected because of our sin uh, our sin nature uh, God created work, and so anything of God we uh, rebel against. And so uh, so there's that rebellion. But when we are born again, blood-bought and born again, uh, Paul reminds us that, that work was created by God for us, for our good, so so work is unto the Lord because it brings us glory
1: because that's his purpose for us. And, and that's the deeper spiritual reality oh, that you're talking sure. about. Mm-hmm. The physical reality is, is that you need to work. Mm-hmm. You need mm-hmm. to... You need to uh, provide for yourself. You should provide for your family if you have one. But work brings dignity. Oh, a sense of accomplishment? Absolutely. And it's a good thing. So I think we can agree on that. Now, Ron, there are some challenges, though. When you see somebody who's homeless or they say they're homeless and they're begging, I think that we have a tendency— to, to have some level of pity, like man, it's oh, too bad. I feel sure. bad for the guy. Yeah, out we always there. root
2: for the underdog, right? And so here's yeah. somebody on the street corner, particularly in the rain. Oh, bless his heart. Bless
1: her heart. Yeah, sure. So here are three challenges I think that we face. First okay. of all, is that we have a propensity to judge the homeless person, mm-hmm. but we don't really know what they've gone through. No. Some are legitimately homeless. Mm-hmm. Some are schemers, and they're just they're yeah you know, taking people. So we just both good way. or bad, you know? Right. Oh, oh, bless their heart, or that con artist. That's sure. right. Mm-hmm. So that's the first challenge. Okay. The second is. Is when we are inclined to help, we often do the wrong thing, <laughs> sure. right? If you give mm-hmm. that ten dollars, yeah. mm-hmm. that's not necessarily the right thing no. to do. If somebody has an addiction issue, you're mm-hmm. just feeding that addiction. Absolutely. So that's not that all this,
2: beggar not that all panhandlers are are addicts, but there's a, a large number. A large are, number sure. are. That's mm-hmm. right.
1: And then the third thing is, is sometimes we just turn away and we do nothing Uh, and this hardens our heart. And I think this is the challenge. If we've been burned in giving Mm -hmm. or in helping somebody, we Mm -hmm. say, I'm not helping anybody anymore, but this ends up hardening our hearts. So we face these three challenges and I'd like us to look at this issue biblically. How do we, especially as followers of Jesus, address people who are in need, people who are begging, people who are asking for our help? How do we Uh, ground ourselves, according to scripture, Mm. to really make a positive impact. Mm. Uh, There's a book I I came across a few years ago called When Helping Hurts, How to Alleviate Poverty Without Hurting the Poor and Yourself. Mm. Just think about that title for a minute. And it's implied in that title that if you help in the wrong way, you're hurting the poor and you're hurting yourself. And I would suggest that much of our poverty alleviation efforts have not been helpful. No, it's
2: enabling country. destructive behavior. Because if we, if somebody can stand on the street corner and they can make a living there, <clears throat> tax free, um, why would they want to do anything any different? I mean, you know, we 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 rise to the level <laughs> that you know where we're comfortable. And if somebody can stand on a street corner and not have to work, not have to answer
1: to anybody. That's right. This is what Brian Fickert says in When Helping Hurts. He says that poverty is rooted in broken relationships. So the solution to poverty is rooted in the power of Jesus' death and resurrection to put all things in right relationship again. You'd mentioned Genesis 2, where Adam and Eve were put in the garden to work it, to tend and to keep it, is what the scripture says. But we're also created. Uh, to we, at that time to walk with God. We were mm-hmm. made in his image to walk with him, put on a real earth and a real garden to take care of it. But when the fall came, all the relationships were broken. Yeah. Our relationship to God was severed. Our relationship to our work was broken. Adam and Eve's relationship was broken. You remember what they played the blame game Oh yeah, when that God said, hey, what have you, you done? That <laughs> That's, right. <woman. laughs> That's right. God, you put this woman in the garden with me if she uh-huh. wasn't here. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it was both of their faults. Right. And so we see that today where mm-hmm. husbands and wives are often quarreling and they're at enmity. We, have, we live in a broken world. And what Brian Fickard is saying is that this brokenness of poverty is uh, really, it's a spiritual brokenness. Mm-hmm. It's rooted in our the spiritual breakdown between man and man and his creator now uh, we're going to talk we're we're going to have to go Mm -hmm, to a break here but we're going to talk about um this story that you had mentioned Mm -hmm. just a little while ago and uh and then how to address brokenness and and poverty in an appropriate way so stick with us and we'll be back in just a minute Hi, this is Richard Nelson with the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, and I want to thank you for listening to the Commonwealth Matters. Our goal is to help you better understand the important issues of the day the issues of life, marriage, and religious liberty but that isn't all we do. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is working to educate legislators and policymakers about these bedrock values so they can defend them while serving in Frankfurt. We're in regular conversations with state leaders on both sides of the aisle, encouraging them to uphold what Kentuckians like you value. But we need your help. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit group that only exists by the grace of God and the generosity of its donors. Would you consider a donation today to the Commonwealth Policy Foundation so that our work might continue? Please visit our website at CommonwealthPolicyFoundation.org. There you'll find some easy ways you can help us accomplish this important work. Again, go to CommonwealthPolicyFoundation.org and consider a gift today. And thanks in advance for any help you can offer. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson. I'm with Ron Hicks, and we're talking about helping those in need, and especially helping those in an appropriate way. And just sure. before the break, we were talking about uh, spiritual brokenness. And Ron, mm-hmm. you'd mentioned something when we went to a break uh, that might have been a little misleading, but I want you to yeah, help gotta, clarify what I was trying to say. Certainly. We got to be careful.
2: Uh, poverty is in the world because of w- the fact that we live in a fallen world. That's not to say that everybody in poverty is in poverty because they're sin. Um, you remember the, the blind man when he was uh, he said I was blind and now I see because I met Jesus. Uh, the the Pharisees were wanting to know who sinned this guy or his parents, mm-hmm. and so Jesus had to clarify. Wait a minute, uh, it wasn't. Uh, there's no punishment because a particular person sinned there is blindness, there's disease, there's poverty because we live in a, in a fallen world because of sin. So just because somebody's poor does not mean they're disconnected from God. True. Poverty is here because we live in a fallen world. That's a good, good clarification. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. I find
1: too, you know, a lot of people in poverty in majority world countries, and the majority of the world lives in impoverished standards compared oh, yeah. to what we live in, mm-hmm. but many of them are rich in faith. Many of them have a deep faith, and they're walking with God, mm-hmm. and they just happen to live in countries where they don't have the structures that we have. They don't have the rule of law. They don't have the maintenance of private property rights. Mm-hmm. They live in corrupt societies where poverty is just part of their culture. Some of the but- most
2: go- most godly couple I ever met was at my, my first church where I pastored. Uh, the man could not read. Um, the woman had a third-grade education. They were farmers. They were... Um, Ignorant compared to many standards, uh, they they were subsistence farmers, uh, but they were rich in their faith. Yeah. And when they prayed for you, they they prayed heaven down. Yeah. So,
1: so Ron, it is biblical for us to care for those who are poor, mm-hmm. to provide for those who need immediate relief. Sure, and clothe and the naked, give food to the hungry. Sure, that that's right. Um, and here's what scripture says in Isaiah 58:10. It says, if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness mm. and your night will become like the noonday. I love that. Uh, this is the prophet Isaiah speaking of what it looks like to help those who are needy. When you have somebody who who is hungry, it's very appropriate to help them with a sure, meal. Sure. If you have somebody who is oppressed and needs to have that oppression lightened And when you work on their behalf to release them from that oppression, then that is a good thing. It says that your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. And I would say that for those who call themselves followers of Jesus, we are here to be light where there's darkness, to relieve those who are under an oppressive yoke, Mm -hmm. to feed the hungry, to give water to those who are thirsty. We live in a broken world, but we know that when Christ has reconcile us to him when he fixes us in our brokenness we in turn can look to a broken world and say i will stand against this brokenness and if i see somebody hurting mm-hmm. somebody who's in need somebody who needs a meal i will help them absolutely that's being the hands and feet of jesus you know
2: what uh, just the other day um there's a there's a a large uh um, a store, uh, rhymes with Walmart. <laughs> it was uh, this right <laughs> close to our church. Uh, <laughs> and there was uh, two guys who, who I called them travelers. Obviously, they hadn't bathed. They, they had a dog with them. Uh, and and I, I chatted with them. And then one guy did not have a shirt. So mm-hmm. I live right around the corner and I went to go get him a t-shirt, a pair of socks and stuff like that. While I was visiting with him first, and when I came back, several people stopped. They had a four- or five-month-old dog, and uh, they were in the shade of a soda machine. Uh, Four or five people stopped. Uh, One person brought several bottles of water. Another person brought money. Every time, they were concerned about the dog. And one lady said, you know, I I volunteer for an organization – Somebody's something hope um, and you know, we're concerned about the safety of animals. I'm concerned whether that dog has water. Went in the store, bought bottles of water, brought it out. Not one time did they ask the two gentlemen whether they were thirsty or not. Brought money to be able to buy the dog food. But nobody so, at all said anything about them.
1: So, Ron, was that because they viewed the dog as helpless and needed more help? He had two able-bodied guys, Probably. apparently, but mm-hmm. the dog didn't really have an advocate. Right. The dog couldn't provide for itself. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why. Maybe.
2: But if you think to yourself, two able-bodied men who are sitting out in front of Walmart who, uh, and they're not working and they're relying on people to take care of them, is there not something wrong with them as well? Yeah. And, you know, we were talking
1: about that. There's a spiritual disconnect there. Ron, it reminds me of a story out of Florida, Bradenton, Florida, where there's a homeless man yeah. panhandling in a busy intersection. Uh-huh. And a man pulled up next to him and said, I can do something better for you than just give you money. I've got a job for you and I'll pay you $15 an hour. Wow. Hey, you want to talk about a federal minimum yeah. wage increase? Well, this go. guy was paying Uh, good money Mm -hmm, right up front. mm -hmm. That's good money for anybody. Absolutely. The homeless man said, no, thank you. And he kept his panhandling and I saw a video of him. He was very Uh able-bodied walking to and from the cars, but he said, no, well, this got the person who offered him the job upset. He was a small business owner Mm -hmm. and he said, this has got to stop. He made his own sign that said, I offered this man $15 an hour, but he declined. this is what it says. $15 an hour job to do yard work for me. And he refused. If we as a community stop paying them, they will leave our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. His concern was for his wife and for his daughters who were driving back and forth. He didn't want them harassed or put Mm -hmm. in a situation that could have been potentially dangerous. Oh, absolutely. And uh, so what do you do with something like that? You have somebody able-bodied, they're offered a job and yet they refuse to work. Well, you know, it, 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 Paul was writing, and, and this was for believers
2: in the community uh, of the church. He says, if you don't work, you don't eat. Now, sometimes people misapply that and say, well, you know, that guy out there, it, it, he wasn't writing to the world, he was writing to the church, yeah. and we're part of a body, and if you don't participate, but, but obviously, again, there's a disconnect there. If a guy said, no, I would rather panhandle, I would rather people give me money than me actually do something... That lets you know that there's a much greater need. Anger, there's a righteous indignation to be able to say, hey, look, this guy's refusing to work. There's a yeah. deception there. Yeah. A con artist, con is short for confidence. So, um, you know, sometimes they'll they'll put on the apparel to make it seem like they'll have the this big story. R- right here in our neighborhood, again, next to a store that runs with Walmart, um, uh, a guy has a sign and when you pass that intersection, he sh- he, wait- he shakes the sign at you. Yeah. Not not in anger, but hey, I want you to make sure you see the sign. Yeah. He's been out there for weeks and weeks and weeks, eight or nine hours a day talking about how his family needs help. Yeah. And he just need you know, I'm thinking as most people are, why don't you spend that same time going from factory to factory, from restaurant to restaurant, from street corner to street corner saying, or door to door, hey, can I mow your yard?
1: Can yeah. I do this? And instead of Standing on the corner shaking a sign at somebody. There's a disconnect. There. Ron, as I travel through Hopkinsville, I've seen several places that are hiring all up and down Fort Campbell Boulevard. It, you look in the newspaper or online, you see companies that are looking for employees, people who will show up and work. And a lot of these are above minimum wage. Absolutely. There's a demand for good workers. The, one of the dangers, by the way, there, so I want to talk about two things. Mm-hmm. One is that it's good to help somebody who's hungry. So if you have some oh, food, an apple or sure, chips or something— sure or even McDonald's gift certificates. Mm-hmm. Be prepared. If you're in a homeless area, be prepared to help that Absolutely. way. Absolutely, sure. Money, I would say, isn't always the not best always way to do plan. it. a good plan, no. Uh, the, so be, be careful not to let your heart harden mm-hmm. towards them. Mm-hmm. Be prepared to help if there's a food need, but don't let your heart harden uh, against them in general. They need counsel. They need coaching. They need other things, and really it gets down to a spiritual issue that you were yeah, sharing. i picked people up before, and I said, have you eaten yet?
2: And sometimes they say no. Sometimes they say yes, because people are generous. But I say, hey, uh, let me take you, uh, let's go grab, yeah. and, you know, we go to a fast food restaurant, yeah. and I say, while well, we're eating, tell me your story. Yeah.
1: And so you feed them, and, and, and then you earn the right to be able to share the gospel. That's right. So, Amen. That's good. Well, hey, we're going to go take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, and on this edition, we're talking about helping the poor and helping those less fortunate, especially the homeless, those who might be panhandling at a busy intersection or in front of a large store. Uh, Ron, we're trying to unpack what the proper biblical response is, Mm -hmm. and we know that Mm -hmm. there's some who you might give some money to, and they're not going to use it well. Uh, there's some people who are able to work and they don't need to be panhandling. Mm-hmm. But I want us to look at scripture and what does the scripture say about helping those in need? I mean, does it? Should we? First of all, should we give money? Well, we? I, I, you know,
2: obviously everybody needs to have discernment. But but if somebody says they're hungry, if you get them like you mentioned a McDonald's gift certificate or something like that, it's going to go for food. yeah If they're deceptive and they say we'll work for if we need food and all the rest, of it, and you give them cash. And there's an addiction problem, or there's mental illness, or something. You, you might be enabling destructive behavior. Um, yeah. If they say we'll work for food, challenge them. This okay? Well, here, let me give you some work, yeah. and and then I will I will feed you. So I think money is often not the best thing in our church. When, when somebody says we need money to pay a bill, we never give the person money. We we sometimes will will pay the bill directly to the person, but we never give money. Yeah. Um, you know, in Matthew twenty-five, Jesus is. It says, "When when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, uh, then then He will sit on His glorious throne." And I, I'm going to paraphrase the rest. Basically, He says that all of humanity will be divided into sheep and the goats. Yeah. The sheep are going to be welcomed into His presence. Yeah. The goats are going to be cast away, go away. I never knew you. And the way that it, those are going to be differentiated is is Jesus gives an example. Now, this isn't an. This isn't a. Uh, you know, it's not the only way, but but Jesus basically says, uh, when you fed the hungry, when you clothed the naked, when you greeted the stranger, when you visited those who were sick in the hospital and those who were in prison— um, and they said, when did we do that? And he said, when you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. And uh, and then, uh, the, so the sheep were welcomed in. Then the goats were told, when you didn't do those things. And they said, well, when didn't we do those things? Well, when you didn't do it to the least of these. Now, we know that we don't work our way to salvation. Uh-huh. We're saved by grace and not yeah. by work, so that we don't boast. But when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we see as jesus said we see the sheep with and that we have compassion on them as sheep without a shepherd we yeah. we see the hungry and we, we we feel obligated to be able to in the service of the king to be able to minister and so when we've done it under the least of these it's as if we're doing it under the lord and so um and so that you know our, our the half brother of jesus james says you you show me faith um, I'll show you my faith by what I do. Yeah. You show me your faith. Um, and he actually says, can, can a faith without works, can that sort of faith save you? Yeah. And so there should be evidence of a faith by how you minister. So works or your fruit is the result of faith. It's the result of, yes. It doesn't earn you salvation. It's yeah. the result of the life change that comes with uh, knowing Jesus Christ, restoring that idea of ministry and work.
1: Ron, I want to talk about the remaining minutes that we have about the different types of need that Mm -hmm. you have. Okay, And I got this from reading When Helping Hurts uh, from Brian Fickert and uh, James Corbett, I believe, was the other author. Um, There are different types of need that people have. you have three categories okay. that they talk about. Relief, rehabilitation, and development. Okay. And if you think of a natural disaster, a, mm-hmm. a hurricane wipes out a community, people are going to need some things right away. Right, they're yeah. going to need shelter. Mm-hmm. They're going to need some food, right. water, clothes. That's right. immediate. If you've just lost mm-hmm. your home, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to need so all those So basic, just basic necessities. That's mm-hmm. right. And that's appropriate for somebody to come in, sure. for a church to come in and help, or the Red Cross, or individuals to come in and help and provide immediate relief.
2: But a year from now, now, we shouldn't be bringing you sandwiches. That's
1: exactly okay. right, which leads to the second point, rehabilitation. Okay. That's oh. the second level of uh, meeting a need. Uh, and rehabilitation is when you restore a person, their family, their community uh, after something catastrophic has hit. Mm-hmm. You're Hopefully, you are... Helping them clear the road,
2: rebuild their shelters, and and reestablish yeah. infrastructure, and and get their car back running so they can That's get back right. to work. Okay, All right, absolutely. It. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm.
1: it's it's rehabbing them so they get back into a normal pattern of life. Okay, so they can provide for themselves and their family. That's rehabilitation. But then there's a third level, and this is more involved and more uh, it takes more investment. And mm-hmm. this is the development level, and and these are ongoing changes that move people into full flourishing and into right relationship with God. This means that if somebody needs education in order to get a job, they need to be educated, whether it's just reading or writing mm-hmm. or learning a skill. Uh, it might just be uh, personal living, You know, personal hygiene, right. um, how to run a household, uh, how to cook, how to provide for themselves, how to take care of your yard. Mm-hmm. That's development, and I think we uh, neglect these other two areas rehabilitation and development and when we see somebody poor and begging we automatically go to relief sure without realizing that hey maybe they need some other kinds of help w- what's the saying well that, I, um, you know you give a man a fish yeah, he'll eat for yeah, a day and teach and you, him how to fish mm-hmm. he'll eat for a lifetime we've been
2: in our society we've been we've been every single day been to bringing people fish and for years and years been giving them fish every day instead of teaching them how to fish. Anybody who's involved in relief sort of thing, whether it's through Salvation Army or or the Red Cross Mm -hmm. or whatever, uh, uh, they will tell you the majority of the clients of relief agencies are repeat customers. Uh, And often it's generational Mm -hmm. where you'll have a a mom bringing the kids and then the kids will then grow up. And then they they have this whole idea of there's this whole support network that'll take care of me. So you have people that are um, that are just working uh, occasionally and they realize if i'm not working it's not a big deal because i know all these different relief agencies not that it's not a big deal yeah. but all these people here's this umbrella that'll support me and
1: and they realize that they can go years and years and years yeah. doing that and i would say at a deep level that's a spiritual issue Absolutely. where they don't realize who they are and what they're made for and that there could be so much more flourishing in their life yeah. that God has so much more for them, but it takes uh, understanding who they are and who God is and what their purpose is. Once you get that, I think it will motivate you. It will take you off of the sidelines of dependency, so to speak, and put you into the mainstream of life where we are doing life as God has made it to be. And uh, once we get that first relationship correct, once we get reconnected to God, we understand that there's a better way and that there's a a creator who loves us and a creator who makes us in his image and gives us talents and gifts to to flourish here. Mm -hmm. Once we get that, it's going to change the trajectory of our lives. And Ron, I wish we could talk more about this, but uh, unfortunately we're out of time.
2: Yeah. So don't hear what we're not saying. We certainly need to clothe the naked, feed the hungry. We need to do that. That's the commandment of God, but we need to do it in a biblical way to make sure that the kingdom is advanced, God is glorified, and we're not enabling destructive
1: behavior. Amen. And hey, that's a, a good note to end on. Ron Hicks, thank you so much for joining thank us in the brother. program. God bless you.